The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. It's Friday. We're almost there. We're almost there. I don't want it over there before I get my coffee. <laughs> that is, uh, well, that wasn't Chris Rulon. That was Chris Rulon pressing the button. Uh, he is in with me this morning. Jason Ross on vacation. Jason will be back on Monday. Tuesday. Tuesday. President's Day. Oh, that's right. Don't you feel t- dumb taking your vacation then? Well, gonna be in. A, we're we're celebrating. You know what? Here's how stupid I am. And this this saying something. Literally just now put it together that I'm gonna be in Washington D.C. for President's Day. Literally just oh. just when you said that, just when you said that, I could have been saying I could have been using that for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we're taking the uh, we're we're leaving Sunday. Uh, this is gonna be a whirlwind, man. Uh, we're, we're flying out on the red eye Sunday, uh, and, uh, it's a straight shot to JFK from here. That boy, did, was that a poor choice of words, wasn't it? <sighs> Don't want to start the day out like that. Okay. <clears throat> I apologize. It's a nonstop flight from here to John F. Kennedy airport in New York. And we will, you, you, if for those of you who don't know, anybody who ever wants to has anything they want to do in New York, or if you ever just want to, uh, you know, hair up your, you know what, you want to go do something. Um, we got, I want to say it was $118 each way, 118 or 121 each way, uh, from it's a, it's, you leave at 1130 at night. Uh, it runs every day out of Sacramento. It's jet blue. Uh, here I am doing another ad, uh, and, and I mean the whole thing. I got the whole. I'm taking the whole family, and we got a round trip for like seven hundred bucks, seven hundred something bucks. It's nuts. It, it's insane. And look, JetBlue's a great airline. Um, you know, you got it. We I think I had to pay an extra because it's the you know it's the base cheapo uh, flight. I, I I had to pay like forty bucks for a couple of. Uh, of uh you know to check a couple of bags it's not like southwest where you can bring your two bags and your carry-ons like you gotta you can bring a carry-on but i think i had to pay 40 20 bucks each for uh two two check bags because it's a you know it's four of us going we're gonna bring some stuff plus it's gonna be cold out there uh but normally yeah we go somewhere you know we try to go somewhere warm but um then we leave the kids but with uh with yeah with avery uh you know a year and a half left with us before college and starting to hear that tiktok so we're we're trying to knock some stuff out. Mel Mel's never been to DC. She's been to New York, but uh, the, the kids have never been either way. So we're we're flying in. Uh, we'll get to JFK Monday morning around seven thirty. Drop our stuff off. I'm sure they won't let us check in, so we'll we'll beg them to just store our our stuff. It's nothing like 
nothing like being fresh off of a plane that you barely slept on that went all night and getting off the plane in the middle of New York City and having no sleep in a packed day. But golly, that's what we're going to do. Uh, and then Monday, Tuesday, we're doing all the New York-y stuff. Um, and then uh, we're driving Wednesday early morning to D.C., uh, rented a car. Good luck there. Um, and uh, we're going to want to take the train. Thought about it, but we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, first off, here's, here's the funny thing. It would, it, it actually, to, to take the train from New York City to Washington, D.C., just basic economy was almost as much as the flights. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so I went, you know, the, it, it actually was cheaper to rent the car and what that'll allow us to do, because, you know, once we get to D.C., we're going to park the car and be done with it. Uh, but we're going to fill it up. It's a four-hour drive, uh, depending on traffic. It's supposed to be a four-hour drive. And uh, and, and and we're going to stop in Philadelphia, which is on the way. Go see the Liberty Bell, eat a cheesesteak. Like, literally, those two things. Drive to D.C. And then we got a bunch of D.C., you know, the tours and We'll see the Capitol. We'll, we we I, we weren't able to get into the White House. That those you had to like book months ago. But we'll we'll stand outside the gate and take pictures. Sure, nothing was going to be going on around there. <sighs> yeah, I know. And I, there was God. What did I just see? There was something in a subway that just happened yesterday. Either New York or DC. Oh, uh, train uh, caught fire. Train caught fire. That's what it was. All you know. All all there. There's two things that are completely out of my control. Uh, hopefully. You know, whether I'm there or not, hopefully everything's nice and calm and peaceful. I don't want to be like, well, you can do whatever you want as long as we're not there. But uh, secondly, uh, the weather. So can't control that one. And that's the one you can't plan on. Are they going to get some crazy February East Coast crazy storm? As of right now, uh, it's sunny on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in New York. Highs from 38 to 41. Excuse me, 38 to 43, and you get in the high 20s at night. And then Thursday, Friday, cloudy, 49, 44. And then uh, D.C.'s a little bit warmer. It's it's it's, uh, And then we're coming back. Uh, uh, we'll be back Friday. Uh, so it's, uh, I mean, we're, uh, I told the kids, this is not a normal, uh, <laughs> it's a not a vacation vacation. And you've been on those. Like, there's, there's no like, put your feet up and relax. They're going to be more tired when we. You got to do as much stuff as possible. That's exactly right. And I'm, I've been to, I've been to both before, and I feel like with the, with the limited amount of time we have, I think we're picking out. You know, Melissa and 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 Avery, they're going to the Museum of Modern Art. That's one of their big things. So Mason and I are going to go do something interesting, because um, neither of us care. Uh, and he still hasn't actually, thanks for reminding me, Chris, he hasn't picked out what he wants. I told him, I said, you have one assignment, pick out, you want to go like tour Yankee stadium or do something. The Coney Island. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get a hot dog. It's going to be super cold. It will be. We have a, yeah, it'll freeze with your little hot dog there. That sounds weird. Um, but we're going to do like, we'll walk, you know, we'll take him to Rockefeller center, see the ice rink if it's still up. Uh, Radio City Music Hall, walk around there. We're going to try to do a show. We're going to try to get those those cheap tickets that you get, like, day of. Uh, so we'll try to do a show. Um, we're going to go to the, like, place where you can see the Statue of Liberty without doing the whole boat thing because um, that takes forever. 
Uh, and then we're going to eat a lot of street food. Like that's that's our. We're just going to pound those 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 uh, those carts, eat a bunch of that stuff. Uh, and then in D.C., it's like yeah, it's like White House Capitol, uh, Vietnam Memorial, Korea Memorial, Lincoln Memorial, Jefferson Memorial. Actually, and I think about it, like we're lining up a lot of really kind of sad things. Arlington National Cemetery, uh, the the changing of the guard. Throw uh, the Smithsonian in there. Yeah, we're gonna. So uh, we're gonna see the uh, the one. Uh, what is it? The the archives. The one with all the the declarations and constitutions and stuff. Um, and then uh, I think we might go to uh, Mount Vernon's, like right there. So depending on the weather, we'll uh, we'll go to George Washington's place um campaign wants to know what national topic will i discuss today what yeah with jason out um you know that was that was it was it was uh fun to completely bring the show down yesterday and and not have poor jason dragged along i know what i'll i you know what i know what third rail i'll discuss real quick let me see let me find a uh, there's a highlight i'm looking for here here it is here we go and do I have my uh, scoops a pass to Clark logo three got it 22 is now number one Nike had a picture out with they're so good at this stuff you huh you had a few weeks to come up with your your what you're gonna say when she did it yeah yeah two is number one that's you could do that or Nike showing her with her arms raised and it says uh, if you break it, you own it. Like, it's a great phrase, man. I'll take that. I'll take that 100%. She breaks, uh, was it Kelsey Plum's record, uh, and does it from, you know, Steph Curry logo shot. Uh, so, you know, Caitlin Clark is amazing. She's going to uh, pop into the WNBA uh, and, and join an already pretty cool list of stars there and really, I think, help elevate that game even more. Uh, it's awesome to see. What's not awesome to see is that every, you know, it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Is he Tom Brady? And then we have to turn it into that. You have to turn it into an argument where you're forced to almost disrespect someone in the argument. I would just, I just want to submit the following. I know that I, th- I think people are like, they think they're doing the right thing when they say this, but you're really not. Can we not do the Caitlin Clark can play in the NBA thing, please? And I say this with all love and respect. I, I'm just going to say this. She's six feet, 150 pounds. It wouldn't work. Could Caitlin Clark score here and there? And there? Sure, absolutely. With her range, I'm sure she could. But imagine somebody who's six foot 150 trying to get a roster spot. And you go, well, hold on a second. Muggsy Bogues got one. I mean, Chris Paul can't be that much more than in my personal opinion I don't think she'd make an NBA roster and it couldn't matter less like why do we have to turn it into well she because what you're basically saying is Caitlin Clark's amazing but she's not as good as the guys and then and you force ding dongs like me to even have the conversation and I don't want to have the conversation in the case of she can't play it's not about that. It's about, can we just let her be her? Can we let her be her? Can we let the women be the women? Can we let them grow the game? Can we understand that they're, you have men's basketball and women's basketball. That's super okay. That's awesome. You can have both. There's room for both. You have it in other sports. We, we, I, 
I don't know why we, you know, it's like back when uh, Venus and Serena, it's like, could they, you know, why don't they play? Look, let me tell you right now. If Caitlin Clark would play in the NBA, I think Caitlin Clark would play in the NBA. There's more money. It would be a, a massive worldwide story. She's not going to have any issues with endorsements anyways, but it would be a huge windfall for her, and it would be a top, top, top sports story. The thing is, when you bring that up and you ask that question, I think it kind of takes away and disrespects from her and the women's game. It's like, guys, we don't have to do that comparison all the time. It's okay that they're different. It's okay that you have the men's and women's sports, and it's okay to say that she is fantastic and awesome and should be celebrated along with the many other both trailblazers from the past and uh, the current crop of, of ladies that are just kicking so much ass in that league. And just just let it be, man. Just stop turning it into an argument. Um, also with her, too, I don't know. She'd, she'd, her outside shot in the NBA, I buy it. Three-point contest, buy it. I think she'd be able to make it. How she how, how she get into the hoop? I I how she I, imagine Caitlin Clark, Clark driving to the hoop in the NBA. And the only way I think it would really really work is if she was driving in a Hoblet Jeep four by E with the the plug in. That's going to not only reduce your gas prices because you won't be buying as much. But you also get the federal and state rebates with that new plug-in hybrid. 15 grand off MSRP on new 2023 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab 4x4s. 17,000 off MSRP on hard-to-find new 2024 Ram 2500 Laramie Crew Cab 4x4s. And hey, save up to 18 grand off MSRP on new 2023 Jeep Gladiator Eco Diesels. And this is the Jeep truck, and it gets 28 miles per gallon on the highway. It's J.D. Power's number one new vehicle among mid-sized trucks. It's hobbling. You get the true pricing. Price you see is the price you pay. Everything's super transparent. No hidden fees. No add-ons. No surprises. That's why they've been the J.D. Power customer first dealership since 2019. Unbeatable prices. Unbeatable selection. Nobody beats Hoblet, period. We got a big, big show for you today. A cavalcade of guests, if you will, and some pretty cool conversations lined up. We'll lead it all off next. Let's do it. Leading off the three top stories in the morning. Huge news. This is very important. Here's cut number one. Look, I'm 65. Okay, I just started a five-year term. Do that math, right? That makes me 70 years old. You can only have so much fun. Um, in one lifetime, um, I have been open with them about the fact that this is going to be my last term. You know, I said it before to them before the election in July, and I'm absolutely committed to that. Well, that's Rob Manfred yesterday uh, announcing that he will be retiring in five years. That's 2029. And uh, there's still a lot between now and then. Uh, but there will be a new commissioner unless he changes his mind uh, by the end of the decade, uh, 14 years in charge. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Interesting. Baseball is in a weird spot right now. In some ways, it's doing fantastic. Uh, attendance is up. The uh, the new rules, the pitch clock, all all positives. 
On the other hand, somebody's got to untangle this regional sports network uh, situation. You've got another labor situation on the horizon. Uh, and then, you know, you've got, this is going to be a tricky road here for a lot of businesses that deal in the public eye over the next few years uh, because you have AI and rights and, and, and likeness and protecting this and that. A lot of new laws being written, uh, not a, a lot of laws being tested uh, that are coming up. And, and, and from a business standpoint, I know it's boring to the fan, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of things out there uh that whoever is in charge is going to need to deal with. Um, I hate it. I, I, I hate the fact that we just kind of accept that the commissioner's position was created out of the Black Sox scandal back in the early 1900s when baseball was on the verge of almost maybe going under. And this is back when baseball was, was NFL football to America uh, because you couldn't, you had no public trust after the Black Sox scandal. And so the owners needed a way out and they needed a way to, to reestablish the public trust. And they came up with the idea of having a third party, not a player rep, not an owner rep, but a third party to come in that had absolute power over both sides. That uh, was an advocate for the game, not players, not owners. And so they went and got a, a, a very respected judge, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, That's a respectable job. That's a respectable judge. They brought him in, and uh, and then that turned into not not all of them were obviously perfect, but everyone from uh, Ford Frick to Peter Uberoth to Faye Vincent to A. Bartlett Giamatti, uh, and then two commissioners ago they went yeah, nah let's let's let let's let an owner let's let an owner be the commissioner and bud sealant was born (laughs) he of the milwaukee brewers ownership and left that good Uh, friend of john fisher i was gonna say uh with the whole frat buddy thing when uh when there was a different person that wanted i forget who it was that wanted to buy the a's but it was somebody awesome uh and instead he gave it to his old frat buddy you know and and it's 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 just gross. And then Bud Selig gave way to his, his head lawyer and in, in Rob Manfred. And we'll talk later about who's probably going to replace him versus who should replace him. But the most likely person to replace Rob Manfred is going to be Rob Manfred's Rob Manfred to Bud Selig, if that makes sense. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be his lawyer guy. Um, so get used to the name Dan Hallam. Because that's that's the uh, the new Rob Manfred, but there's some other candidates as well, and I, I think we can go kind of outside the box too. Uh, one thing I do know, whatever the right decision is, they will make the other one. Who's making the decision? Uh, that's going to be the owners, oh. baseball owners. And I'm sure they care more about the game than money. Absolutely, one hundred trillion percent. So happy trails, but yeah, in five years. Uh, Rob Manfred. Maybe he wants a farewell tour. They don't love you like that, says Draymond Green. Cut number two, please. Cut number two. I want to stress that preliminary investigative findings have shown there was no nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. This appeared to be a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. 
Yeah, uh, that that is uh, Stacy Graves. I think she's uh, the, the police chief out in uh, Kansas City. Um, I think it's important to keep that part in the news. Um, look, shootings are shootings, but I I I I've I've seen the game before where, um, you know, if the uh, if the shooter is somebody with mental instabilities, a lone gunman, a student, um, if the shooter is um, what we call terrorists, which means they're Arab, uh, if the shooter has religious motivations, it it's a massive story. If the shooter's just a couple of people that, you know, gang members, whatever you want, that have a dispute, and, you know, it's gone in a couple of days. It's it's not as big. It's not as interesting. And I would say this. Obviously, there's different levels to stories, but uh, I, I, I personally, I don't think the family of the, uh, the woman killed, uh, who was a DJ at a local station, a uh, radio station there, uh, or anybody injured, I don't think they care. Uh, what the uh, race, creed, or or uh, nationality is of the shooter. A shooting is a shooting. There was a shooting, and that's 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 what happened. And that's according to the police chief. That's why it happened. It was a dispute, um, and uh, they opened fire. And so you have over twenty people wounded. You've noticed that though, right, Chris? When it comes to the news cycle, that some shooters stay in the news longer than others. Unfortunately, we saw that here. Uh, what are we referring to? In downtown, when there was that shooting, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And there was that whole like, oh, oh man, how did this happen? And like, oh, it was guys fighting. I would. We'll say, just forget yeah. about it. We'll forget about it. I would say when you rank most newsworthy shooters, I would say uh, number one, uh, Arab slash Muslim. Number two, uh, another form of religious motivated shooting. Number three. Um, lone gunman, uh, student, that type of thing. And I don't think I'm forgetting anyone way, way, way down. Or number five, just, well, I mean, they're all mentally unsound, obviously, to do something like that. But I, I put that Vegas, the Vegas shooter in that category uh, who wasn't a student and it wasn't religiously motivated. And then, like, number 29, oh, it's gang-related or, you know, just a, just a, a shooting between folks. So I, I, I hope that doesn't leave the news anytime soon. You, you hope. You hope that this is the one that'll, that'll bring some sort of something, but you and I both know. We'll just rinse and repeat in the next news cycle here. Number three, please. Cut number three. Sends it outside left. Now looking to the right, to the middle of the cup, and in Tiger Woods. Mary's line and speed with absolute perfection and is one under again. Hey, yeah. 72 for Tiger Woods, including a shank. I want to say at 18 when his back locked up. Uh, why, why, you know, look, this is uh, this is not a major. It's golf. Why are we talking about Tiger Woods, who is near the bottom of the list? The game of golf. golf. Not, 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 you know, this is the Genesis Invitational. We're not talking about Patrick Cantlay, who's leading. We're not talking about Jordan Spieth or Will Zalatoris, all, all, in the top three with ties. Why, why, why am I playing you a highlight of Tiger Woods in February at a f- big name yet in the big scheme of things, fairly minor tournament 
shooting a 72 and most likely not making the cut. Because I want to have a conversation about Tiger Woods at 7 a.m. Is Tiger Woods is arguably the greatest golfer of all time. Some would say it's not arguable, but, you know, there's that Jack Nicklaus guy. I think it's he is arguably the greatest golfer of all time. Tiger Woods is a guy that you put in that LeBron James category, maybe Bryce Harper to a lesser extent, when you're talking about uh, child phenoms done well that have fulfilled potential, et cetera. The question I want to, the conversation I want to have about Tiger is this. Is Tiger simultaneously one of the, if not the greatest golfer of all time and one of the greatest what-ifs of all time? And when I say that, I'm talking about like Bo Jackson, I'm talking about Brandon Roy in the NBA. Is Tiger Woods simultaneously somebody who fulfilled their potential who has had an amazing Hall of Fame all-time career, and also we feel a little bit left short by his career. I want to have that conversation and compare it uh, to some other people uh, that also would fit in a category like that. But we'll take a break. When we come back, Rob Manfred set to retire. Uh, what's his legacy? Who should? Uh, who will replace him? Who should replace him? We'll do that next. The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Call or text at 916-339-1140. On Sacktown Sports. Final countdown starts right now. Five years. Till Rob Manfred's gone. Sadly enough, is, is Rob... If we were doing a major uh, American sport commissioner ranking... Well, Gary Bettman's last, right? Like, he's just always last. Oh, yeah. At HL. And I imagine Adam Silver's number one, most people would say. I guess the question is, who who ranks higher, Manfred or Goodell? I guess it depends on what your criteria is. If it's growing the game and profits and exposure it's no doubt it's goodell goodell's you know look i ain't a fan of roger goodell but obviously the 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 sport has done quite well but there's also absolutely no ethics whatsoever going on and with with manfred you just have that added he did something yesterday that even Goodell, even Goodell isn't stupid enough to do. And 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 that's really saying something. Let me see if I can find the quote. Because he was asked uh, about the A's more than a couple times. And <clears throat> he basically said, and I'll find the exact quote. I got it here. If you you do, please. It. Yeah, go ahead. Please read the quote. Someone asked about the A's. This is from The Athletic. Yeah. Uh, when, let me see. Um, how does the league plan to continue serving fans in the Bay Area with the A's on the way out? He responded saying, first of all, we do have a major league team in the Bay Area. It's not like there is not an available option. The Giants obviously still play there, but in terms of the other side of the Bay, the Oakland side of the Bay, our community involvement in terms of youth programming – 
All of the things that we do in Major League Communities will continue, and I think it's a sign of our commitment to the community that we still continue that kind of programming. And as I said, most important, there is a fan opportunity that's not so far away. Oh, my God. Okay, broken down. Hey, guys, we still have the Giants. That's Major League Baseball. Just switch, dummies. Like, he's treating it like uh, in-and-out franchises. We still have the one down the street. Can you imagine that? Hey, you're wearing your Man City colors right now. They they relocate to, to Bavaria. They've got United, seven-minute Uber ride. There'd be a riot. Right, exactly. Of course there would be. Like, what are you doing? These people are the, – the, the, the big problem I have – I'll give it – look, Adam Silver, Silver ain't perfect. He, he's not. In fact, I think sometimes Adam Silver is a little bit overrated on some things. Uh, there, are some, there are some pretty big blind spots with Adam Silver and some pretty big hypocrisies. And I understand he's in a tough situation, almost impossible situation. But he's, in t- he's a player's commissioner as much as an owner's commissioner – and he's in tune and in touch almost entirely with fans. Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell have no idea, or especially Rob Manfred, have no idea what fans think, what fans want. I will give him credit. I will give him credit. <clears throat> Although I don't think he probably deserves it. I'll give him credit for the pitch clock, and I'll give him credit for some of these rule changes. But here's the problem. It's not like Rob Manfred was sitting around like, guys, I have some ideas. No, it was Jay Fiedler, accountant, whatever assistant in his, you know, one of his departments that had a a strategy meeting, came up with it, made a big presentation. Okay, fine. Credit the commissioner for championing it and it being passed on his watch. I'll do that. But you have these regional sports networks that are deteriorating. You have, I don't know, in my opinion, a a game that does not know how to market itself. And so when you talk about who should replace Rob Manfred, I said earlier, the most likely uh, uh, name is a guy named Dan Hallam, who is, what Manfred was to Bud Selig when Manfred got got promoted. And we'll see over the next few years if you start hearing the name Dan Hallam more, that's who that's who it's gonna be, because they'll make his public profile go up. But and oh by the way, you've had other names, including Theo Epstein, who briefly worked for the league, which would be a very interesting move. I would love to see baseball do something smart for a change. And honestly, what they need to do, what would be great would be to hire somebody preferably a bit younger, more in touch with fans, but most importantly, Chris, somebody who understands, either A, understands how to market the game, and I'm talking about market in today's society with TikTok and Twitter and and Facebook and, and not do things like restrict people from using your highlights and blocking them. You need somebody that either has an intrinsic understanding of how modern day marketing works or understands how important it is and hires the right people away from the NBA and the NFL and wherever else applicable 
to really make baseball, you know, put out the hats, make baseball cool again. Because baseball's not cool right now. And if you're a baseball fan and you think it's cool, that's awesome. But I'm telling you, it ain't as cool as basketball and it ain't as cool as football to the generation behind us. I think we've talked about it before. You loved baseball growing up. Loved I loved it. baseball growing up. Every summer, just watching it, and now it's just, eh. Chris, when football, this is how, how different it is. When football would end, I would get butterflies the, the following week. Pitchers and catchers would report down in Phoenix for the Giants. And, like, I would listen with my mom in the car to can our spring training broadcast. Yes. <laughs> like, and then the season would start, you know, and then you get into fantasy baseball if you do, and that's like a big in-person event with your buddies. And I'm either watching, you, know, you got, again, sounding old here, but not every Giants game was on TV. A lot of them were KNBR, and I'm listening to Hank Greenwald, Ron Fairley. And loving every minute of it, man. Having a radio. We had a radio, a little tiny radio in almost damn near every part of the house growing up so that we could go from, you know, that's how we did it back then. You go from one room to the other, just flip it on, flip it off. You're in the bathroom. You, you're you uh, in the living room. You're in the kitchen. You, you flip it on. And every once in a while, we, we you know, usually, you know, half the time, the quarters of the time, you get it on TV. And, man, that was the soundtrack of summer. Baseball cards. Picking out what team, which, who, where, what. Hoping I get a Will Clark. <laughs> it was everything. It was everything. Now, now, the season I hate the most is summer, and I'm very vocal about that, but it wasn't always that way. I also, I was thinking about our conversation we had a few days ago, Chris, and part of me was wondering, well, how much does the fact that I don't like baseball as much anymore have to do with the fact that, like, a Pavlovian dog, as a child, I knew that baseball happened when school wasn't in session. So summer used to be my favorite season because I didn't have to go to school and I could sleep in. Maybe now that whether you're in June or you're in uh, December, you're still working the same. Maybe that doesn't matter anymore. But I want baseball back. I want it to be exciting again. I want to enjoy it. And I don't know how that happens. I don't know if the ship sailed on that. I don't know if the toothpaste is out of the tube. Well, a lot of the things that they had, too, that, like, made it more interesting is just, like, normal now. So, like, before it was, like, the tradition of the Cincinnati Reds are the opening game every day. Well, that's long gone because they need Sunday night baseball to start it off, which is, like, okay. right. Then it's just, like, oh, when the games get boring, there's going to be interleague play. You're going to see the teams play against each other. Well, they switched the league up. Now there needs to be an interleague game every weekend. So every there's weekend. not anything, like, really exciting. Exactly. So it feels like they need to bring something like that back. I'm with, I don't I don't dislike that at all. I just and what's so confusing is that I don't know what the key is. Like Oh I, yeah, I have no idea. Why is it that when we were younger we cared so deeply about the games in June and now it's like ugh, who cares? Please get to September when the games matter. What's the key there? What happened? What happened? Where are we when it used to be, I knew a Giants game was on tonight, 7.05 first pitch. I'm ready to go. I start to get excited around 6 o'clock. We build dinner around it so we can be in front of the TV. 
And we're watching nine solid innings. Sometimes I keep score just for fun. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's a baseball keep score app. But then again, I'd probably do that for an inning. This is stupid. (laughs) What am I keeping score for? It's right on the screen. We'll take a break. Uh, When we come back, uh, yeah, the the Kansas City shooting uh, was was based on on a dispute in itself. Uh, Geno Smith is richer, and we'll have an update for you on Dre Greenlaw. We'll do that next. Michael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Call or text at 916-339-1140. On Sacktown Sports. A couple of NFL notes for you. It's a cool story from Seattle. Geno Smith has $12.7 million that he's going to receive today. Because he's on Seattle's roster. Now, in the contract, it wouldn't become fully guaranteed unless he was on the roster. That money was guaranteed for injury only at the time he signed his three-year $75 million deal last March. He's now going to collect it, even though he may very well not be with Seattle next season, uh, as they could trade him before March 18th. He also has a $9.6 million roster bonus uh, due in the middle of March, uh, a $200,000 workout bonus, which I wish I had. I would like a $200,000 workout bonus. Uh, but it's a good story. He's a good story. It's a great comeback story. Um, and, uh, and 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 that's, uh, that's classy of Seattle. I mean, it's going to cost their, it's going to cost their coach, or excuse me, their owner, uh, a little bit of money, but that's the type of stuff I think that makes its way around to other players uh, as well. Here's uh, what I want to play for you guys here. Here's Charlie. This is so random. I wanted to play it for you. Here's uh, here's Charlie Weiss, ex Notre Dame coach. Talk about a guy who's stealing a bunch of money over the years from places. Uh, his, his, his deal with Tony Romo. I wasn't listening to those guys because they, they really turned me off. I have to tell you, I'd rather <laughs> they do. They turn me off. I mean, I listened at the end of the game and I listened to, to, to Tony Romo ruin the moment. Just shut up and let us savor the moment. Just be quiet. Nance had already said jackpot, you know, like the, he had already said that's, the, that should have been the end of the co- conversion. I don't need to hear your analysis of what just happened. I just watched it. I want to watch the moment. I want to enjoy the moment as a sports fan. <laughs> that should have been the end of the conversion. I I 90% agree with Charlie Weiss. We talked about this before. Yes. Tony Romo, especially at that level of play-by-play and, and analysis, should have done what what we've called what what is called let it breathe. Let the moment breathe. As soon as Jim Nance was done with his jackpot line, you know, that's how it goes. The announcer does his thing. Uh, you let the moment breathe. And then, it, but, but you know, the thing I don't, at some point, yes, I would like Tony Romo or the analyst. Yes, I would like them to break down just why Nicole Hardman was 
that open, what happened, what was the play. Yeah, that's their job. That's their job. I I I would like to I would like to know that. Uh but yeah. And, and and the thing with Charlie Weiss too is Charlie, you're a you're a football coach. Odds are you know more about what happened than the uh the average bear watching the game. So I get it. Uh speaking of great announcers, we didn't get to this yesterday, but Y'all remember uh, this famous call. I'll play this uh, for a very specific reason here. Here's the chip. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. seen anything like that so it's actually i'm playing that because Vern lundquist announced that uh this will be his uh, last masters he is retiring or at least retiring from that uh any show i mean Vern lundquist is an old dude is old. it weird that my favorite call of his is from happy gilmore <laughs> no no because it was a great... it's not even like the the end of it it's when he <laughs> makes the putt and it turns around and comes back hold it hold, hold it. it no <laughs> honestly Vern lundquist is one of those uh he's one of those voices that you y- you just kind of you just know um and whether he's calling the masters or who the hell is happy Gilmore, <laughs> whatever he may be doing. <laughs> See, and it works because he's doing it as genuine as possible. He's Vern Lundquist. It's who he is. He's playing Vern Lundquist. Here he is in 1983. Jack Nicholas. I think that actually really ties in well with what we were just talking about with Tony Romo. Like, if you were to read a script of his call with Tiger, it's not it's not great. It's, oh, wow. Oh, wow, in your life. And there, what did he say here? Uh, maybe, here we go. Okay, maybe, yes, sir. Now, to be clear, that works for TV and not for radio because he he doesn't need to say the ball, the, 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 the golf ball went in the hole. You can see that for yourself. And there's different types of play-by-play. There's radio play-by-play where you have to paint the whole picture. And there's TV play-by-play where you're kind of like the cherry on the, 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 the milkshake or whatever. Vern is so good at that because it's the emotion in his voice. He's us. The best play, and the thing is, Chris, with Vern Lundquist, he—you've got, you know, Vin Scully, uh, Bob Costas, uh, Al Michaels. You know, you, you have could name five more. I don't know that Vern's ever going to be on that list with most people when they're naming off like who's your Mount Rushmore of uh, of of play by play voices, who who's your announcer guy. But Vern is on that list of like 
what I like to call warm blankets. He he. I hear Vern calling a game, or at the. I think of the Masters. I think of college basketball. I think of college football. Uh, he's just one of those, like Keith Jackson was with college basketball. You just know that you're you're transported there. So it's a big loss in the end. <laughs> it's a big loss for us. I'm just trying to think of his calls now. It's it's really just like exclamations. Yeah. That's the thing. He's not Mr. Uh, you know, here, here, listen, <laughs> here he is doing figure skating. How improbable is this lovely young lady from Yepopetrovsk in the central Ukraine competes in the Olympic Games against Nancy Kerrigan, accompanied by Broadway show tunes. Tis a small world at times. He just has a way of putting lines in that are subtle but great. He never made it about himself. He never was too big for the moment. But also, look, he also had that thing that you can't teach. Uh, he had that voice. Um, you can't do it. It's it very difficult, if not impossible, to do it without a voice. And Vern Lundquist had that voice uh so he'll do the masters in april uh he will certainly be missed but hey man that's what happens uh we all get older and uh we lose uh you know it's not like he died but you know you get older and people start retiring and that's that and you you make way for new voices and, and there's a good crop of new voices that's for sure here one more here i love this here's uh here's Vern this all day Vern lundquist college college football Screen pass, Yeldon, to the 20, to the 10, touchdown Alabama! That's it, just subtle, just subtle, just simple. It's a lesson for play-by-play. Honest to goodness, Vern Lundquist, I, I hope he goes and, and, and I hope he's a professor at some college somewhere. Go to Syracuse or, or Northwestern where they do media a lot. A lot of media goes through there. I would love to see Vern Lundquist teach a class. Guys, less is more. Paint the picture. Learn when to shut up. And you know who I like sitting in that class? (laughs) Tony Romo. Tony Romo should take that class. Ah, Vern. All right, I need to get off this. I'll just play Vern Lundquist all day long. Dre Greenlaw had successful Achilles surgery yesterday. It was announced by the 49ers. Uh, no real timetable as of yet as to how long it will take for uh, for him to recover. Um, the thought is that he will miss some, if not all, of next season. There's a difference, by the way, between like you and I recovering from an Achilles injury, obviously, and somebody like Dre Greenlaw, who uh, uses his Achilles far more than us uh, and in different ways and more violently. Yeah. Interesting. Interest, interesting to sit and think because uh, I, I, I think Dre Greenlaw will end up playing next year. That's just kind of the way sports medicine is these days. And everybody's different. Uh, but we've seen whether it's Aaron Rodgers, there was another uh, player I forget that came back super quick. 
uh, that we used to reference with Aaron. And by the way, speaking of Aaron, how about that? We we never really put that together. How about the NFL season being bookended by devastating Achilles injuries? Game one, Aaron Rodgers, the flag. First series, Achilles goes down. Final game of the season. One of the best defensive players on the Niners. Some would say the heart and soul. Both random Achilles, like not like tackled, twisted, none of that. Like literally just walking, trotting, jogging. Snap. So that's, it's going to be interesting to see his recovery track. And I have a feeling we'll see him play next year. I should set up the show a little better than I have, by the way, because we do have a wonderful show planned for you in addition to all our fun segments. Um, Coming up at 8, we're going to have Brendan Nunes on the uh, Sacramento Kings, uh, our our insider, if you will. Um, Greg Popple will make his final appearance with us for the season at 9. 9.30, Monty McNair will join us, the GM of the Sacramento Kings. That came together late last night pretty quickly. So Monty's going to join us. I asked on Twitter for questions for Monty, of which uh, you got to love Twitter because one of the one of the respondents was Monty McNair asking me to ask him why he looks so much like Jason Statham. And then another respondent was Daryl Morey, the GM of the Sixers, who wants me to ask Monty specifically, who did you try to trade for? <laughs> They're obviously old friends, and he wants them to be fine. So we have a we have a, a, a very, very good show planned for you. And we might have our, ourselves another special guest here in just a bit. When we come back, I want to talk about the old Tiger Woods thing. We'll do all that next.